And we are on air for NASCAR Race Review with Hot Topic Sound Off here on Fan for Racing Radio. And uh, joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Hughesman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, great to be here. I know it's Monday, Sal. I guess I had to do some work out of town, so not available tonight. Glad I could step in and uh, fill in for him. Yes, indeed. We really appreciate that. Now, tonight's episode is going to center around Texas Motor Speedway for both the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series. And we're also going to give you some updates for the races that didn't happen this weekend from the NASCAR Truck Series along with the Arkham Menard Series, the East and the West. Uh, we're going to start with the Arkham Menard Series East and West uh, because those guys uh, are actually – uh, just two races left between all three series. The East, of course, is finished, and the Arkham Menard Series has their season finale coming up this weekend. The West Series will have their finale during the Phoenix race weekend with NASCAR. Uh, then we're going to update the NASCAR Truck Series again. They did not race this weekend, but we'll keep everybody up to date with what's going on in that series. At the top of the hour, we'll start with the NASCAR Xfinity Series review of the race at Texas Motor Speedway. John Hunter Nemechek, of course, was the winner. And then the Cup Series review at Texas in which uh, all of a sudden it's just uh, Kyle Larson was the race winner at Texas. So uh, at 9.30 tonight, we're going to start our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew. And I believe, Jay, that means you, me, and Tommy. Well, I was, I was going to ask you a question there. You said John Hunter Nemechek winning in the Xfinity Series. I thought he was going for a mm-hmm. Truck Series tra- championship and signed with them for next year. I think that would be a great hot topic for later tonight. Okay, we will definitely uh, put that on our list of hot topics for tonight. Uh, I'm sure we've got quite a few to talk about as it is, but uh, I'm sure there's room for one more. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the Arca Menard series. Uh, Again, the Arca East is done for this year. If you want to know more about that, uh, the race winner or the, the, uh, I'm sorry, the champion in the Arkham Menard Series East is Sammy Smith. He uh, held that lead for most of the season, and he ended up as the race, uh, as the champion for that series. The Arkham Menard Series West will be having their final race, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, that's going to take place the Arizona Lottery 100 on November the 6th at noon Mountain Time. Uh, that's going to be 3 o'clock Eastern Time at Phoenix Raceway. That is the Arizona Lottery 100. It will be available on NBC Sports uh, Track Pass if you're a gold member. And if you're not a gold member, you can always follow along at ArcaRacing.com where they do a radio broadcast as well as Uh, you'll be able to uh, follow along at Race Central with all the updates that come directly from the track. Uh, I should also mention here, Jay, 
that the Sioux Chief Showdown champion is already determined as well with Ty Gibbs taking that championship. Yeah, we're, over the coming weeks, we're going to talk a lot, a lot about Ty Gibbs uh, for sure. Uh, you mentioned he already picked up the Sioux Chief Showdown win, I believe, for the Arkham Menard Series. As long as he starts the race, uh, he will pick up the championship there as well over Corey Heim. A great battle throughout the season. Uh, Corey, maybe if you will, faltered a little bit here at the end, and, and Ty Gibbs stayed strong, able to pretty much all but secure that this last race. That is so true. And so uh, so those uh, two championships have already been determined. Uh, the other championship, uh, we mentioned the Arkham Arts West racing at Phoenix. Well, the other one is going to take place this weekend, the final race for the Arkham Menards Series. The Reese's 150 will take place this Saturday, October the 23rd, at 6 p.m. Central, that's 7 p.m. Eastern, at Kansas Speedway. And it will be televised on MAV-TV. Again, you can always go to arcaracing.com to hear radio coverage as well as uh, follow along with live updates directly from the track. So uh, this is going to be a big one. Two big contenders in this event, uh, but one of them almost has it wrapped up. Yeah, Ty Gibbs, 19 starts, as we look at the Arkham Menard Series, 19 starts, 10 victories, 18 top fives as well as 18 top tens, and 10 pole positions. And I believe if he were to pick up the uh, pole position for the Kansas race, that would uh, all but secure then his championship. So qualifying right from the get-go is going to show that. His average start, 2.0, average finish of 3.1. Through 19 races, your average finish of 3.1. And I talked about the battle he's had with it is. Uh, Talk about the battle he had with Corey Heim, uh, the other driver to make all 19 starts. He had six victories, so between the two of them, they won all but three races. He had uh, only had 15 top fives, but all 19 top tens, three poles himself. His average start, 3.7, and the exact same average finish of 3.1. Uh, uh, so, again, uh, you take his stat line, you're like, that's got to be your champion. Unfortunately, Ty Gibbs, just that tick better especially, unfortunately, in these latter few races, Corey Heim has had some problems, some of his doing, some of his not, uh, of his own. Absolutely. Landon Lewis uh, uh, was in three races this season. He does have one of those three victories uh, that wasn't won by Corey Heim or Ty Gibbs. Uh, Daniel Dye is another driver. He drove six of the races this season, uh, and he's another driver that had a victory this year. And then also uh, driving in 10 of the events this season is Jesse Love. He's the third driver to have one of those three victories that uh, were not won by anyone by the name of Ty Gibbs or Corey Hines. And that's why I know I I talked to some fans, uh, when you talk about a a race like this, championship already decided. There is so much going on in that series, though. Uh, you talked to several, mentioned several there. This last race, Taylor Gray, another one, made 11 starts, eight top fives, and 10 top tens. This was his first race without a top ten. 
so the talent you're seeing in this series and the races they're putting on individually uh, have been absolutely tremendous this year. So don't think that just because Ty Gibbs just, I mean, what, what can you say, but had an absolutely phenomenal season, uh, you know, exactly. kind of stunk up the show a little bit, if you will. But we did, like I said, we did see a championship battle all the way down to this final race. So you're not going to get the uh, side-by-side at the checkered flag in the final event of the year every race. That is so true. But uh, I, I tell you, the other series uh, that will be at Arca West that will be racing at Phoenix, uh, their situation is totally different. They have 10 of their drivers that have raced all of their eight races and uh, hopefully all 10 of those drivers will be at Phoenix as well. This one is... And it's very well, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> this one, you're right, it is. Can't miss. Jesse Love, you mentioned him, is picking up a uh, Arkham Menard Series uh, victory. He's got two here in the West Series with four top fives and five top tens through the eight races. He has a point lead. Uh, Paul Pedronicilli, Jr., picked up this last victory here and is now one point behind. He's got the one win, four top fives, and six top tens, along with a pole. Then you move down to third place. Jake Drew was in that battle for the race, as well as the championship still, four top fives and seven top tens. He's only three points back. Fourth place, Joey East has a victory. Six top uh, fives and six top tens is five points back. Fifth place, Cole Moore, again, involved in the battle for this last race victory, has four top fives, six top tens, is only six points back. That means the top five are separated by six points. Uh, That is a race winner-take-all type event. (laughs) That's Exactly. They don't, they don't have the uh, elimination style where it's guaranteed, but they did it anyway with this series. So that's an a awesome job for the ARCA West series, and it shows you the competitiveness of this ARCA Menards West series. Absolutely. Now, were you going to cover the other five drivers? Yeah, round, rounding out, all right, going six on back. You mentioned we did have ten drivers that did get all ten starts. Uh, Trevor Huddleston is minus 15. Mathematically still, I'm sorry, eight starts, you're right. Um, two top fives, seven top tens, 15 points back. Does still mathematically have a chance, as well as uh, Todd Souza uh, having a career year. Two top fives, six top tens is 26 points back. Uh, Takuma Koga, another one, had a career year for himself, Uh Right now, eighth in points, one top five, four top tens on the year is 51 back. Bridget Burgess at minus 69. And then Bobby Hillis Jr. at minus 77. Uh, Those are the 10 drivers that all made all eight starts, and we anticipate making that ninth and final start at Phoenix. Yes, indeed. So this has been a fun series to watch. I like that so many of the drivers have participated in all of the races. Uh, I think that's made it a lot more exciting. And uh, last week, Paul Pedron Sully uh, Jr. picking up that victory and making it just a one-point difference between second and third, second and first, is just amazing. Uh, Jake Drew, who was in second, is just as you mentioned. Uh, just those top five drivers, Jake Drew, Joey East, Cole Moore, to round out the top five, all in contention 
for the championship to heading into Phoenix. And I would say Trevor Huddleston as well, 26 back. Right. And it, you mentioned that that this uh, past race, uh, got to watch that on uh, NB Sports Network uh, replay. Those five were battling for the win coming down to it in yeah. the final laps, uh, all within the top five. A little bit of bumping and banging, and you got uh, a victory that moves up, shakes up the championship uh, on several levels. So I fully expect to see that at Phoenix again. I do, too. I think uh, Phoenix is going to be a very exciting race. Uh, honestly, it's a do-not-miss-the-race. If you've got Mad TV, set your DVR now for that race because it's going to be an exciting one. Uh, we're not going to know who the champion is until we see who crosses uh, the line first for the checkered flag. And uh, even then, it might be up for grabs. So, uh, definitely looking forward to this race at Phoenix. Most certainly. And, th- and that's if you don't have a surprise winner. I know we're still a couple of weeks out for that championship battle, uh, but you could see some surprise entrants as the Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and Truck Series also running their championship weekend at Phoenix that weekend. So you get to see that big stage, maybe a couple of surprise entries on that list. And we'll get to that in a couple of weeks when we preview it. And surprise entries can also mean surprise winners. So uh, it might be the highest finishing uh, ARCA West driver uh, who wins that championship. So, again, don't miss it. It's going to be a fun one. All right. Uh, We are going to go ahead and move on now to the NASCAR Truck Series, the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, You might remember it was the number 12 of Kate Fogelman, who won in his Chevrolet Silverado 250 at the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, And that was his very first Truck Series win. So um, Tate Fogelman, a big winner, first-time winner at Talladega. And their next race isn't until Martinsville Speedway. Uh, and that's going to be on October the 30th. So they won't be racing this weekend as well at Kansas. So uh, they've got another week off. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about, you know, what the driver's standings are uh, for this group after that Silverado, Chevy Silverado uh, 250, uh, how the uh, series point standings kind of fall out. Uh, as they head into Martinsville, not this weekend, but next weekend. Well, and I think before we get to that, you mentioned Tate Fogelman winning at Talladega, non-playoff driver winner. Got to go back even the first race of this round, three races to uh, set up the championship final four. It was Christian Exus, another non-playoff driver, first-time winner, non-playoff driver, so at this point, while we're waiting for Martinsville, no driver is locked into the championship for yet. So that is, uh, I think, has been done. I think we read it twice in series history since the inception of this playoff-style format. Uh, just absolutely amazing, especially when we talk about some of the drivers that have picked up victories throughout the year, uh, starting with John Hunter Nemechek. Yes, indeed, and only one point difference between him and the second-place driver uh, makes this extremely tight. 
Uh, another one, you're right. At the top, uh, John Hunter Nemechek is still your points leader. As Sharon mentioned, one point. Uh, he has 3,105 points. Ben Rhodes at 3,104. Now, you look at that, they are fairly secure as far as moving on to the next round, but it is Martinsville. And if we get a surprise winner, uh, especially if it comes from a playoff uh, eligible driver here, really could be an issue. Uh, Matt Crafton right now at 3,079 is 27 points behind your points leader. So, again, that can be made up on points alone. Sheldon Creed at 3,074. Uh, there's your cutoff line right now. Those are your four that are in. Stuart Friesen at 3,069 is five points behind Sheldon Creed. I think Chandler Smith at 3,040. Carson Hosevar, 3,037. Zane Smith at 3,034. They're in that must-win situation. So jump back up to fifth here. Stuart Friesen at minus uh, 36 behind the points leader. That can be made up through the stage points as well as a victory. It is possible mathematically that John Hunter Nemechek could not make it even with where he sits in points. That's staggering when you think about it. Uh, And again, it just puts a sense of urgency to watch this next race at Martinsville uh, because so much can happen throughout this race that could change the whole playoff picture for the final four. Again, no one, absolutely no one has clinched their spot into the playoffs uh, for the championship four yet in this NASCAR truck series. So uh, these points could really scramble up depending on who wins at Martinsville. And Martinsville is the elimination race. That's the race that's going to say who are the final four drivers. Yeah, and NASCAR, I gotta gotta if I can clap here over the uh, over my microphone, clap for NASCAR <laughs> setting up these elimination races at the tracks they have. Uh, Daytona being the final for the regular season championship as well and your last chance to get into the playoffs, have done a phenomenal job with that. You couldn't ask for better tracks to be that pivotal uh, track to make it into the next round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really has been a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, again, I really think that this cup series, or truck series uh, race is one of the tightest races that we have heading into Martinsville. Uh, as it stands right now, we still have uh, two races, for the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series at Kansas this coming weekend. And Jay and I will talk more about that on Monday, I'm sorry, on Thursday night. Uh, We're going to give the preview of those races. And uh, I'll tell you what, (laughs) after uh, the races at Texas Motor Speedway this past weekend, Jay, anything, just about anything uh, should be expected at, at Kansas. Most certainly, I'm looking forward. Yeah, uh, most certainly looking forward forward to that. You mentioned the Cup Series and uh, Cup Series and Xfinity Series got that one more race in between at Kansas before they head, and we see all three series, top national series, running at Martinsville and then the championship at Phoenix. Uh, Great way to end the season. I know Phoenix is already renewed for renewed for next year for the uh, championship uh, weekend yet again. I know uh, we've had that discussion on our hot topics of whether or not that should Mm -hmm. change every year. 
or every couple of years, Phoenix certainly has delivered as far as some great racing and championship and determining races, though. So I uh, can't complain there. But going back to the truck series, as we talked about, John Hunter Nemechek having five wins on the year, um, not being locked in yet, but in a good position. Ben Rhodes, i got to give a shout-out there, picked up the first two victories of the year. Those are his only two victories, but has come back to life here in the playoffs. No better time to do so. Then you look at Sheldon Creed. He had a rough race. He's had three victories on the year, uh, seven stage wins, uh, riding kind of on 26 built-up playoff points. But you see that the bad finish, that mulligan he needed, puts him in the fourth and final transfer position, only five points separating them. Yes, indeed. So, uh, again, so much happening here in the uh, truck series. Uh, Some of the news that's come out here recently, Dean Thompson is going to run the the, uh, truck race at Phoenix with Nice Motorsports. Uh, That was announced. Todd Bodine is hoping to hit his 800 career starts in in uh, in 2022 thanks to Camping World CEO Marcus Lamonis. Uh so that's that's uh, really great news uh, big news that I think took a lot of us off guard John Hunter Nemechek returning to Kyle Busch Motorsports in 2022 uh, tell us your thoughts about those three stories well first off first off uh, great start for for Dean uh, I like to see that. Uh, we've seen the, the truck series be that uh, starting block for a lot of drivers. So that's always great to see as we get new drivers come in and mix it up. Uh, Todd Bodine returning it is, is for the six starts. And I know Mike and I joked about this on our last Hot Topics when we talked about it, whether or not I uh, think he can actually come out and be competitive and, and run for race wins, which I do think he can. But it is also one of those of just to have the uh, the, the – I'll call him a legend like that from the truck series back behind the wheel. Um, and I, I think we mentioned it of a win-win as he is a broadcaster and analyst for Fox sports one, as well as the uh, race coverage, I think adds to it when you have somebody that's been on the track more recent than some of the others that we've seen in the past where they're a couple years removed, the way things evolve, especially then with the, for say example, in the cup series, the next gen car. So I think it's great, and it's going to add to the series, the coverage of the races all the way around. And and I've always been kind of a a Todd Bodine fan, uh, one of those grinded out, I mean, just grizzly veterans, if you will, of the series. Yes, indeed. And then what about your thoughts about John Hunter Nemechek uh, coming back to Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck series for the next next season? Well, I know we talked about this on Hot Topics last time, and to me there's kind of a new development to that with him picking up the victory in the Xfinity Series, and he will be back in the car, we know for sure, this year at Phoenix Race uh, Raceway as that number 54 team goes for the owner's championship. So that tells me they have a lot of confidence in him in the Xfinity Series trying to close out the deal for the owner's championship for that team. So it's kind of surprising um, that, again, I don't know how to – it's great. He's obviously feel like he's going to run for, for a championship yet again, and we, haven't, we have to see if he can make it into this year's. We fully expect him to with those five victories on the year. 
Um, so, and would anticipate the same next year. And that was his intent. Uh, you know, he talked about it following the Xfinity Series race, picking up victories. You know, he struggled a little bit when he did his one year in the Cup Series to rebuild that confidence, build his name back up. And I think the key is making partnerships with sponsors that will then take him to the next level. So mm-hmm. we don't know for sure yet of what he will do next year in addition to running the truck series. We know that there's going to be some open seat time there with Joe Gibbs racing for that number uh, 54, if that's how they number it, uh, what we call the all-star car. So I do think we're going to see him in the Xfinity series uh, multiple times next year. Uh, feel like he could have maybe moved in there and run for the championship there, but for whatever reason, he is returning to the truck series. Great to see him back with the truck series. We know Kyle Busch puts a, puts a stress on that. He wants a driver in there long-term. Uh, he's done a lot with developing rookies and, and young drivers, but he does kind of want that one veteran driver in there that he knows is going to run for a championship each and every year, and he's got that in John Hunter Nemechek. Absolutely. Uh, and John Hunter mentioned uh, after winning the Xfinity Series race this weekend at Texas, he did mention that it was a confidence booster for him uh, to be. It proved to him that he can go out here and, and win in the Xfinity Series. So uh, you're absolutely right with your comments uh, there, Jay. The last one I'm going to bring up here is uh, McAnally Hilgeman Racing. Uh, fielding Chevrolet Lays next year uh, and forming an alliance with GMS Racing. This one, too. I know we talked about this, uh, uh, of that, of it is going to take some practice to say McAnally Chevrolet, because uh, as long as I've been covering this with you and watching the uh, West Series where they came from, uh, I mean, that has been an absolute Toyota partner all the way. So we know that sometimes it, certain things, they, they run their course, they're looking for a different opportunity, GMS uh, moving up uh to the cup series. Uh, I think they, yeah, there's a lot of things going on there um, that they feel obviously is going to put them in the best position. I do hope that they re-sign Derek Krause and continue to let him progress. We've seen his, the improvement uh, on his driving and finishes throughout the year in the latter half. I think he's uh, going to be a good one to have going full-time next year if they can get a, a deal done to have him run for the championship again next year. I 100% agree. Uh, it is going to be uh, definitely interesting. Uh, again, I'm, I think you mentioned this, but uh, Derek Cross's deal not totally secured yet, uh, but they are working on that, and I hope that uh, Derek Cross is able to come back with that organization next year. Okay, now uh, one, uh, one I know more, Sharon. Couple... Sure, sure. Okay, uh, before we do move on, I wanted, I wanted to hit on something here. I mentioned Chandler Smith and Carson Hosevar as two that I felt were in must-win situations. They got their own battle going on as those are two rookies that made the playoffs. If they're both Mm -hmm. eliminated from the championship four at the Martinsville race, they're still going to go battle head-to-head for rookie of the year. If one advances and the other one doesn't, that would automatically uh, secure it and lock them in as the rookie of the year. Or if they both make it somehow. uh, So one way or another – Martinsville is going to determine where that rookie of the year battle uh, ends up. And we're going to see quite the battle between Chandler Smith and Carson Hosevar as a separate battle. Yes, indeed. And thank you for bringing that up because that is 
a totally separate race within the race, if you will, uh, between two drivers battling for that Rookie of the Year honor. And uh, you know both of them want to get that. So they're going to be racing hard uh, for Rookie of the Year honors. Well, right then now, I that would be the only two drivers that are in there. contention. What's that? Those are the only two drivers that are in contention for that at this point. Right, being that they both did make it into the playoffs, and it's been amazing. We've seen it. They've stayed right together uh, in the points as mm-hmm. well. So, like I said, right now, kind of anticipate both of them maybe being eliminated. We'll have to wait and see. Chandler's a good short track driver come Martinsville. Uh, if I were to give one the edge, I think it would be Chandler Smith as the one maybe moving on and not Carson Hosevar, but uh, Martinsville, you never can tell. You never can tell. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, when those races take place at Martinsville uh, Speedway in a couple of weeks. Okay, I hope uh, these guys enjoy their resting time because the pressure is going to be tight uh, at Martinsville for sure. Okay, uh, let's move on now to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. The Texas Fall Race uh, took place on Saturday, and uh, it was 200 laps. Uh, for these guys, John Hunter Nemechek rebounds from a penalty for the Xfinity Series win at Texas. He was driving the number 54 car for Joe Gibbs Racing, and that car earned its 10th victory this season. John Hunter Nemechek overcame a late race penalty to rally through the field and take his second career NASCAR Xfinity Series victory on Saturday at Texas Motor Speedway. That was the first of three playoff events that will set the championship for a field for the season finale. Having to overcome that late race pit road penalty, John Hunter Nemechek was able to rebound and score the win on Saturday's uh, Andy's Frozen Custard 300 at Texas. Restarting in the rear, soared to the top 10 when a caution flew just with just 28 laps to go. Chris Gale, who is Nemechek's crew chief, elected to go for two tires, giving the number 54 car track position. Nemechek was then able to pass the number 20 of Harrison Burton a few laps after the restart and then cruise on for the win. Daniel Hemrick uh, finished in second, leading 55 laps. Noah Gregson was the third-place finisher with Justin Algauer and Austin Sendrick rounding out the top five in fourth and fifth place. The next five drivers are A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, Michael Annette, congratulations to him, and Brandon Jones rounding out the top ten. Uh, Michael Annette, it is good to see him back behind the wheel, and I'm glad that he had a nice top ten finish. There were eight lead changes among tip five drivers and ten cautions for 54 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 115.553 miles per hour. John Hunter Nemechek won the seventh annual uh, Andy's Frozen Custard 335 for his second victory in 56 Xfinity Series races. It was his first victory and second top 10 finish this year. This is the first victory and fourth top ten finish in five races at Texas. 
And Daniel Hemrick, who posted his fourth top ten finish in seven races at Texas, it was also his 19th top ten finish in 2021. That's amazing. Noah Gregson, third, posted his third top ten finish in seven races at Texas. And Sam Mayer, who finished 13th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So your thoughts about the race results here? Uh, so many of them. This is one where you can't just tune into a race and catch part of it and think uh, you got the whole story because there were so many storylines. We'll start with the number 54, John Hunter Nemechek, overcoming a, a penalty, as you mentioned, having to work his way back, coming towards the front. That last uh, last caution flag coming out, the different strategies that played out. Harrison Burton and his team taking a shot at no tires, John Hunter Nemechek trying two, and then you got the rest of the field coming with four fresh tires. I, I know Daniel mm-hmm. Hemrick mentioned it uh, throughout the, the race. He said earlier in the race when they were on the same set, he felt he could run with them, uh, didn't figure that the two-tire strategy was going to work for them. They made it work with how their car was. You know, he said he had no regrets, uh, just it worked out in their favor. Uh, you know, it's one of the most gracious second place finish interviews I've seen. And you get, you got to give a shout out to Daniel Hemrick. I believe he is now tied or he might've either tied with this one. Uh, Dale Jarrett for the most second place finishes without getting a victory um, in the Xfinity series. We still, I know most of us here at, at fan for racing just feel that victory is coming and, and he's really trying hard to get it here with Joe Gibbs Racing before he leaves for college racing next year, I'll tell you that, as well as making a run at the championship. The one stat they yes, gave... Uh, the, the one stat they gave there that we'll talk about when we talk about the points is he has actually came into the race one point below the cut line. Finishing second, he actually came out two points behind the cut line. I mean, that tells you how tough this series is and the stage points and racing all throughout the race. By finishing second, he actually lost a point. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, most of the playoff drivers finished in that top ten. Michael Annette uh, and John Hunter Nemechek, the only two drivers uh, as non-playoff drivers to finish inside that top ten. Uh, we mentioned Sam Mayer. There were some drivers here uh, that uh, ran into issues. You had uh, uh, J.J. Yaley early in the race had an engine incident. Uh, Landon Castle had electrical issues. And David Starr also having engine uh, problems, along with C.J. McLaughlin having a suspension issue. Uh, then there's the other set of drivers that had accidents, Brandon Brown, Tanner Berryhill, Dylan Lupton, and Jay Buford, uh, one of the rookies, all involved in accidents in this race. Uh, the number 22 of Austin Sindrick won the first uh, stage. Then it was uh, uh, John Hunter Nemechek winning that second stage as well as the third stage. So uh, just amazing uh, the average margin of victory was 1.316 seconds for John Hunter Nemechek. So he he had a really good run in the Xfinity Series. 
He did. When we talked about Daniel Hemmer giving it everything he got to come home second, then you, you mentioned it. All eight of the playoff eligible drivers uh, in the top ten, the cream rises to the top. It's playoff time. And uh, mentioned Hemrick finishing second, not even able to gain, but actually losing a point in the uh, in the standings. That tells you how competitive this is. And I think the key factor here again, first round or first race of this round, nobody has guaranteed or locked themselves into the championship four with John Hunter uh, Nemechek picking up the victory. So even Justin, or uh, I'm sorry, AJ Albinger and Austin Sindrick, uh, will get to the point standings separated by a point. They've been battling all year as they did for the regular season championship. But to see all these other playoff drivers right there mixing it up. And then you mentioned a great run. Uh, hopefully Michael Annette can finish out the season real strong here as he has announced he's retiring from full-time racing next year uh, in that number one junior motorsport Chevrolet. Yes, indeed. And speaking of the points, uh, it's been a battle between Austin Sindrick and A.J. Allmendinger. I think every week uh, it switches between the two of them. A.J. Allmendinger's on top right now, but just by four points. Yeah, those two really have put on quite the show between them, both of them having five victories on the year. Uh, Justin Algar and Noah Gregson both having picked up a pair, and then Justin Haley with one as well along with Jeb Burton and Myatt Schneider, who, although eliminated from the playoffs already, also had victories. That's what put them into the playoffs, as we saw uh, them get eliminated in that uh, prior round. But then you got to look down, get past them. You mentioned they're four points apart, 30 points back from the points lead, Justin Algar, and then another – did I read that one wrong? Yeah, a total of 30 points back. No, I'm reading it wrong. Excuse me. He is 26 back from the leader. Um, Noah Gregson is 28 back. Right now, that would be your cut line of four moving on and four not. Mentioned Daniel Hemrick is two points behind Noah Gregson. Justin Haley, another four points back. Then you got a little bit of a gap as uh, Harrison Burton is 15 points behind Haley and Brandon Jones. Jones, uh, most certainly, he's got a full race to make up, already pretty much in a must-win. Harrison Burton, I wouldn't put in that category yet, but we saw what they were trying to do. They, they wanted to get that victory here in that first race of the round. Um, minus 49, he better make up a big chunk uh, prior to getting to Martinsville, or he's going to be in that must-win category comes Martinsville. Absolutely. And you can see how a race can really uh, shake up these points. Uh, we watched throughout the race at Texas, uh, people above the line, then back below the line, based on where they are in finishing order. So, uh, again, uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I, I expect Kansas to be another race that's going to be fun to watch. And whoever can win that Kansas race is going to set themselves up Hopefully it's one of the playoff players. Uh, they'll set themselves up to be in that final four. I think so. I think we're going to see that trend kind of come to an end. And we've seen it in uh, mentioned it in the truck series. We also had a, a uh, cup series as well. Uh, and here in the Xfinity series. So uh, I think at this point that you're going to see that those playoff drivers couple of them up front maybe playing it safe and making sure they have the play, uh, points cushion 
But we've seen that it, with John Hunter Nemeshek, that that cushion can go away in a hurry, and you want to lock yourself in, uh, as we'll talk about when we get to the Cup Series, how much of an advantage that can make. But if I had to pick right now, uh, and we'll talk about our fantasy points a little bit later, if I were to make a pick now, I think i got to give the edge to Austin Sindrick going into Kansas because I think that's where he kind of established himself as, hey, I can win on an oval, not just on road courses. That is true. That is true. But same could be said for uh, A.J. Allmendinger because uh, he's trying to make it a point that he can win on something besides the road courses as well. And so I think uh, for him to get a win on an oval would be a big deal as well. So we'll have to wait and see who prevails uh, at the Kansas Lottery 300 at Kansas Speedway this weekend. Uh, That will take place Saturday uh, October the 23rd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC. Again, we'll give more uh, preview information on Thursday night's show that starts at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so uh, I'm looking at uh, some of the news here in the Xfinity Series. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing renews the partnership with their longtime partner, Interstate Batteries. Uh, and will be a primary sponsor for Kyle Busch and Ty Gibbs for next season. Not surprising there. I know they have cut back. They used to be the uh, full-time sponsor going back to uh, Dale Jarrett and Bobby Labonte days. Uh, They have cut back, but they are still a very integral and strong partner with Joe Gibbs Racing throughout their entire program, uh, not just at the Cup Series level. Uh, So that'll be great to see. And now we're starting to hear that, Ty Gibbs. We have no official announcement that he'll be full-time next year, but we kind of anticipate it, and uh, we might see that they take a bigger role in that of, uh, along with Monster Energy, I think, with uh, Ty Gibbs and the Xfinity Series. Yes, indeed. Also, look for Dylan Lupton to be back behind the wheel at Kansas and Phoenix for Sam Hunt Racing. Uh, so he'll be driving the number 26 Toyota Supra uh, for Sam Hunt Racing in the Xfinity Series. So glad to see Dylan Lupton uh, continuing to get that ride with Sam Hunt Racing. Another story I feel is a win-win, a win across the board. We've seen Sam Hunt Racing put together some great races throughout the year uh, with different drivers. I think they showed what is capable with that team. And as they build, they're going to become a competitive, possibly championship uh, running team if they can get a full-time driver sponsor paired up going into next season or down the road. Uh, We always see these teams, they got to start somewhere. The runs they've been having, I think that that's going to draw the sponsors and they'll be able to put that package together. I can't wait to see them make a run where they're in there mixing it up for a driver's championship. Okay, also uh, Stefan Parsons announcing he'll be racing full-time in the Xfinity Series next year. And uh, he is uh, the son of Phil Parsons and nephew of the late 1973 Cup Series champion, Benny Parsons. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, he'll, be, uh, he'll be with B.J. McLeod Motorsports. And uh, I think this is a great deal for uh, Stefan Parsons. Most certainly. And we all love to see that generational drivers as they come through, whether it be Petty's, Elliott's, Earnhardt's. Seeing that with Parsons is absolutely awesome to see. Again, another one going to be a full-time driver. 
get, go after rookie of the year. We'll see how he does for a championship run. And I go back to B.J. McLeod taking that step and getting a driver running full-time to be able to go after owner's championship, driver championship, and build for their future. I know there's been some talks about uh, they kind of had a partnership with uh, Stuart Haas Racing. Kevin Harvick drove uh, one of their cars uh, for a race or two mm-hmm. this year. So I love to see that as these teams build and we see more competitive teams out there week in and week out. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to move on now to the NASCAR Truck Series. I'm sorry, Cup Series. Uh, they raced the Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 500 this past Sunday at Texas Motor Speedway, and it was Kyle Larson securing a spot in the championship four after a dominant Texas win. Um, it had some ups and downs all all day on Sunday, uh, but with the exception of victorious. Kyle Larson, who absolutely dominated the race, he led 256 of 334 laps, holding off the field on seven different restarts in the last 125 laps alone. Larson won by .459 seconds over Hendrick Motorsports teammate William Byron, uh, and it was his series best and career best eight of the season and 14th victory of his career. Most importantly, he punched his ticket into the championship four for Phoenix Raceway on November the 7th. The first time in the 29-year-old Californian's career, he will get to race for the NASCAR Cup and to get a chance to talk to Kyle Larson uh, at Chicagoland. So you know this goes back a few years. Uh, but I talked to him about how important it would be for him to go after that championship. And this is a big deal for Kyle Larson. He's worked really hard to be able to get to this point. So it's really good to see him, uh, you know, secure his spot into that final four and to be the first to do it with that race at Texas. Uh, Kyle won the Auto Trader uh, Echo Park Automotive 500 at Texas Motor Speedway for his eighth win of the year and his first win at Texas, and again, it was his 14th career win. Uh, William Byron uh, finished in second, followed by Christopher Bell, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, and Daniel Suarez to round out the top ten. Larson started on the pole and dominated most of the race, Again, leading 218 at 334 laps. The win locks him into the championship race at Phoenix. Several playoff drivers, however, had trouble late in the race. Joey Logano fell out of the race with 35 laps left when he lost in the engine and finished 30th with 21 laps remaining. Uh, Hamlin also cut down a tire after contact with Ryan Blaney. He stayed on the lead lap and was caught up in an accident with six laps to go and still battled back to an 11th place finish. Martin Truex wrecked with 14 laps left after contact with Daniel Suarez, and he could not continue, and he ended up finishing in 25th. Stage one was won by Kyle Busch, stage two by Kyle Larson. There were eight lead changes among five drivers and 11 cautions for 55 
yellow flag lap. The average speed of the race was 134.859 miles per hour. Kyle Larson won the 17th annual Auto Trader Echo Part Automotive 500 for his 14th victory and 257 Cup Series starts. It was his 8th victory and 24th top 10 finish this year. This is the first victory and fifth top 10 finish in 15 races at Texas. William Byron in second posted his third top 10 finish in eight races at Texas and his 18th top 10 finish of the year. Christopher Bell posted his second top 10 finish in four races at Texas. And Chase Briscoe, who finished in 15th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So your thoughts about the race results, Jay? I don't know how many different stories you could have coming out of uh, one particular race, (laughs) and there were a lot of them here. Uh, Start with Kyle Larson. Going back to you mentioned it, uh, and I know they talked about it uh, on Race Hub. Don't question Mr. H. Rick Hendrick choosing to assign Kyle Larson. There was some (laughs) question about that. Sponsorship. I think that has been proven well over time and time again with this season Kyle Larson has had. So uh, kudos for that. We expected him to be in the Final Four, if nothing else, based on his uh, wins throughout the year and his points advantage. He said, I'm not going to ride on that. I'm going to lock myself in here and now. The first one out of the three national series to do so. We mentioned the other two series don't have drivers locked in yet. The Cup Series does, and Kyle Larson did it with authority. Um, Yes, he did. I go back to when he was driving driving for Kip, Chip Ganassi Racing, and even back then, I always felt if he could get into the championship four, he would at least have a shot at it, being at Homestead, Miami, uh, a track he favored. Now, with the Hendrick Motorsports, their mile-and-a-half program and the way they've run this year, it is at Phoenix, but I think you still got to consider now Kyle Larson one of the favorites and the first one to lock in. Obviously, he's got that two-week time period to really focus on that car as a team, put the focus onto Phoenix Raceway. So uh, I think that's going to be, be uh, dangerous. Yes, though. Go ahead. I was just going to say, no, you go ahead and finish up what you were going to say, and then I'll, finish, I'll say what I was going to say. All right, here we talked about in the Xfinity Series, the eight playoff drivers being eight in the top ten. We didn't have that here in the Cup Series. Uh, Joey Logano blowing a motor. Martin Truex Jr. having a rough day. Uh, I do think he ended up behind the wall when it was all said and done. Denny Hamlin, another one we figured right there with Kyle Larson as they've been neck and neck. Denny Hamlin had won the first race of each of the previous two rounds, comes home 11th. Another one that had a rough day, if you will, we'll talk about later. Um, but the other teams, too, of not anything super stellar, especially when you're going to compare to Kyle Larson and where he's running. So I think it's a wide-open uh, championship here, and we'll talk about that when we get to the points. Yes, indeed. Five, five of the drivers finished in the top ten. The other three, as Jay pointed out, finishing in 11th uh 25th, and uh, let's see, Joel Logano finished in 30th. Um, Kyle Larson, of course, won. Brad Keselowski in fourth. Ryan Blaney, sixth. Chase Elliott, seventh. And Kyle Busch in eighth place. 
are the five drivers that finished in that top. Now, there were drivers who had incidents on the track. Uh, we'll start with Joy Logano having that engine issue. We talked about that. Uh, it took him out of the race on lap 298. Um Quinn Huff had a suspension issue, taking him out of the race on lap 59. Uh, but all the rest of these drivers had, were involved in accidents. Anthony Alfredo took a hard, hard hit uh, in his accident. I was glad to see him get out of the out of his car. Uh, Bubba Wallace involved in an accident. Alex Bowman, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ryan Newman, Ryan Priest, Justin Haley. Cody Ware and Joey Gase all involved in accidents, causing them to uh, finish their days early. Uh, we mentioned that Kyle uh, Bush won the first stage, and it was uh, Kyle Larson winning the second stage. And and the, it was so close between first and second. Uh, two Hendrick Motorsports car uh, uh Kyle Larson and William Byron finishing by just a point four five nine seconds. So extremely close uh, finish here at Texas Motor Speedway for the victory. Actually, you want to cover the points? Not. Yep, I will slide over there. Um, <laughs> talk about Kyle Larson locking himself in. He has a 51-point lead advantage anyway, not needed. And here we got a severe mix-up, uh, going to make these next two races very interesting. Ryan Blaney is second in points with 4,072. Danny Hamlin now in the third spot at 464, eight points behind him. Kyle Busch in the fourth and final, that's where your cut line is, at 4,063, a point uh, behind Danny Hamlin. And then only eight points above Chase Elliott. And as we get into the ones that are below the cut line, talk about Chase Elliott. He is your defending uh, Cup Series champion at 4,055. Brad Keselowski at 4,048 is seven more points back. Then you get into a couple that are in a little bit of a situation. Martin Truex Jr. at 4,041. Uh, is only still seven points behind Keselowski, but would have to jump uh, 15. Let me do my math in my head. No, nope, i got to go up more. 20-some points uh, behind Kyle Busch at the cut line. So, again, marginal, uh, not in a great situation, but Joey Logano at 4,020. He is, if not already, really, really close to being in a must-win situation already. I know when they interviewed him, he kind of said it himself. The good news we know he runs well at Kansas when he swept the three races of a round in 2018. Uh, that was one of them. And we know he's very good at Martinsville as well and willing to do whatever it takes to win at Martinsville to advance himself into the championship four. So uh, not in you know completely dire You know drivers are going to be disappointed. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're, that, I think I think I mentioned this on Hot Topics Monday. Several of these drivers that might be in that position of needing a win or a very good run, there's a lot of them in these top four or top eight that run really good at Martinsville. Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, Joey Logano, and Brad Keselowski, Danny Hamlin, five of them right there. And if they're all needing that win, only one of them gets it. Uh, that's going to be uh, some great racing there. 
Without a doubt. And uh, I, I, again, these are all races uh, that we're going to want to tune in for these next few weeks, both at Kansas Speedway next weekend and at Martinsville Speedway for the elimination race to determine the final four in the truck series, in the Xfinity series, and in the cup series. That is a do-not-miss race weekend uh, for race fans at uh, Martinsville Speedway. And then, of course, the season finale at Phoenix will determine who the champion will be. Uh, So close and uh, yet so far away for some of these drivers. Yeah, it's it's going okay. to be a battle all the way, all the way to the end there for sure. Uh, one big thing I look at, Ryan Blaney uh, mentioned the momentum. Denny Hamlin kind of maybe lost it a little bit from what we've seen. Blaney actually moving up, and we saw him win those couple races coming into the playoffs. Uh, he could be a surprise sleeper, if you will. Yes, indeed. Uh, again, we've got to tune in to find out. Uh, what can happen here? But yeah, this is uh, there could be some sleepers uh, definitely in there, and uh, people who can really shake things up. Okay, now Jay, I want to make sure as we transition over to NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off uh, that we give the update on our fantasy group as well. So uh, I'm hoping you have that information available. I most certainly do here. Let me get it pulled up. I know we got a couple minutes here. Uh, point shakeups, the uh, the theme here. We're going to have that here for our fan for racing uh, fantasy group, uh, most certainly. Going back to to the truck series, we mentioned that they haven't um, run in a while. We've been sitting on this for a while, but this might be our most competitive uh, series. Mike leads at one hundred one point at one hundred and one points. It is a two-point advantage over Andy and myself, tied at 99. Sharon, you are at 98. Sam at 92. Owen, 75. Tommy, 70. And James, 66. Now, James has been eliminated from winning the overall there. Uh, Tommy is one point from elimination and Owen, six. So we may lose those three here in this final race. Or, uh, sorry, second to final race. On the Xfinity Series, I'm at 150 points, Andy at 138, Sam 137, Mike 127, Tommy 111, Sharon 107, Owen 101, and James 93. And top to bottom, this one still, we've got three races left, uh, a little bit bigger gap. James is 13 points from elimination, Tommy 19 and then Owen 39. So that one's still a little little closer, and we do have all eight still eligible. And again, there, there's three races remaining, though. On the cup side, Sharon, did you happen to pick Kyle Larson the winner this weekend? I did. All <laughs> right. Well, good on, good on you. Those 16 points put you into a tie now with Owen, at 177 points. Uh, I had a rough weekend because we've talked about Joey Logano's first engine blowing in seven years. I happened to have him. So I stayed at 173, only four points back. Sam's at 170, Mike at 168. Then we get down to James at 159, 
Tommy at 141, and Andy at 90. Now, Andy had already been eliminated. Owen is now eliminated by a one point. I'm sorry, yeah, one point. Make sure I'm reading this right here. I got Owen at one back. Uh, Sharon, you are five points from elimination, and Tommy really? is nine. I'm that's Even, that's on the overall. I let, let me let me overall. fix that. I knew I was reading something wrong here. Tommy at uh, 141 for the Cup Series is 12, 12 points from elimination, um, and then James still has a shot because he climbed out to 159. The stats I was trying to give there is going to be for the overall. So mm. that was the, that that was the Cup Series. Yeah, yeah, you're tied. Obviously, you're not being eliminated. Um, so Tommy is not eliminated yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. On the, on the overall there, I got 422 points, uh, at the top and there is still 128 points available. Sam is at 399, Mike 396, Sharon, you're up to 382 and fourth, Owen 353, Andy 327, Tommy 322 and James 318. That's where this comes in of James is 24 points from elimination, uh, Tommy 28, and Andy 33. And I will say this, Sharon, if you happen to win or pick the winner this next weekend and get those max 16 points, we would guarantee, coincidentally, four of us going into the final race having a shot at it. (laughs) The final four. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens, I guess. I I don't know that I can be that lucky two weeks in a row, but we'll see. Well, you will have (laughs) to pick last, though, so keep that in mind. I will. And, you know, I think that's one of the first times I've had a chance to pick Kyle Larson all year long. I, and you, yeah, you certainly didn't hesitate on that. And uh, I know you're a true X fan and, and like to pick him. Uh, good week to have that opportunity to take Larson and not uh, true X. Yes, indeed. So uh, that certainly helped me for sure. Okay, uh, we are three minutes past the bottom of the hour, which is our NASCAR hot topic sound off uh, time frame here. And uh, but we always appreciate the update that you provide for us. Uh, Jay on our Fan for Racing Fantasy group, uh, but we're ready for Hot Topics now, and joining us for our Hot Topic conversation tonight is Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Well, thank you for being here, and thank you for your patience while we wrap up the fantasy points there uh, for our Fan for Racing group. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, start this off, uh, Tommy. I'll let you kick us off with the first hot topic. Let's go with uh, the Texas race and uh, all that good stuff. Just the Texas race? Yeah, just the Texas playoff race, the outcome, and everybody's thoughts. The Xfinity and Cup or just one? Uh, we can do both. Okay. Jay, you're up. Well, it kind of talked about this when we were reviewing it. On the cup side, obviously, uh, 
we felt like Kyle Larson was going to advance anyway um, via points, if nothing else. He went out there, dominated it, uh, as we saw. You know, he talked about comparing it kind of to the Texas race. A little bit different, but some things he did pick up with that. So to see him move on and get that victory and move on, not all that surprising. The shuffle up amongst there on back is what kind of shocked me. As I mentioned, Xfinity Series, eight drivers in the top ten. Your eight playoff drivers in the top ten. Here in the Cup Series, only five of them, uh, and maybe not in the order we expected. Uh, so to me, the one thing, and uh, we'll talk about this, I think, and tie it into the, to another hot topic a little bit later, but Denny Hamlin. Uh, Joey Logano, you have the blown motor. Nothing you can do. Uh, yeah, it's surprising. As I mentioned, it's been seven years, I think he said. Uh, so he wasn't going to complain uh, real much. He obviously wasn't happy, but he said, hey, one, one blown motor after seven years, not a bad deal, if you will. Uh, Truex, again, having a rough day. But we've kind of talked about that, him being up and down this season. So I know when we talked about who we thought our third and fourth were behind Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin, we might have to up that. Is Denny Hamlin going to make it? with what we saw this past weekend, part of it being Joe Gibbs as a whole, which I know they'll be the separate hot topics. So there are some interesting storylines. And as I mentioned, is Ryan Blaney going to step up and really be a contender uh, going into the, make, making it into the final four? Yeah, I think uh, if anything, these, uh, both of these races prove to us that uh, nobody is secure <laughs> wherever they are in the uh, playoff ranking. Uh, a lot of things can happen uh, that can kind of throw a wrench into the playoffs. It is so tight between these drivers uh, that I don't know if you watch it throughout the race. I, I tend to do that. Uh, and it just changes constantly depending on where they are on the racetrack. The only thing that really counts is where they are at the end of the race. Uh, but uh, a lot can happen to kind of change the whole playoff picture, if you will. So uh, I think we saw that in both the Xfinity Series race as well as the Cup Series race. Uh, Jay, you mentioned it in the Xfinity Series side. Eight of the playoff drivers all finishing in the top ten, but three of the playoff drivers in the Cup Series finished uh, below the top ten. Denny Hamlin, the closest at 11th place, but then you've got Martin Truex Jr. finishing in 25th place, and Joey Logano with a blown engine finishing in 30th place. I don't think anyone would have predicted that happening uh, in that race at Texas. Um some of the drivers that I thought were really good on the 1.5-mile tracks didn't do so well at Texas this weekend. So uh, I know they've got to be scratching their heads and really looking at what do they need to do to change that up for Kansas Speedway the next race coming up. It's still very, very close, and uh, these drivers have to I, – I think the intensity is just going to ramp up as we get closer to Martinsville. Uh, for that Xfinity series or Xfinity and Cup series, as well as the Truck series, elimination races to determine the final four moving on to Phoenix to contend for the championship. So uh, exciting! I, it, to me, it seems like it's one of the more exciting seasons um, for the uh, championship uh, final four. So, Tommy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. 
Well, starting with the Xfinity race, I'm very happy that um, John Hunter Nemechek won. I really thought Daniel Hemrick was going to come through for his first win, uh, finished second, I think, and they said for the 10th consecutive time. He's going to break through, though, um, if not this year, that 18 car uh, next year in that calling car. Um, for the cup race, I'm just – I'm not a big fan of Texas. I'm sorry. It's just not one of my favorites. And uh, it did kind of shake up things a little bit, though, because Denny Hamlin, um, he had some issues. Joey Bullen engine, Martin Truex and Suarez uh, had a problem. And, um, uh, you know, just, just another Texas race, though. It wasn't really – the size of those events unfolding and that huge crash, I did get to see the replay of that. I only saw some of the race. I cut it on kind of after the crash happened. Um, I'm the, I actually was watching some football yesterday. So, um, But, yeah, Denny Hamlin, I thought he was going to be up there with Kyle Larson as a championship favorite for sure. But it looks like Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott snuck their way in. And... Um, I had Kyle Busch winning yesterday, and it looked good to start off there. I was looking at it on Twitter, and he won the first stage. So, um, yeah, just crazy. (laughs) It was indeed. Jay, your follow-up on that. Well, my, mine would have to be on the Xfinity side, as I, as I forgot. It was kind of the two, two-part question to that, so I'll cover the Xfinity here. There, I thought it was a great race. I mean, we had a four, four or five-car battle there coming down to the end. Tommy mentioned it. Dan, Daniel Hemrick uh, having a shot at it. Harrison Burton taking that shot with no tires. Uh, I think it did help him from where he was running to where he finished, I think, by maybe one position. So they took their shot. They, they knew that was their shot at winning. They took it. Uh, it did move him up one position, so gain, if you will. But it gave him a shot at the win. And then Daniel Hemrick, uh, you know, Tommy, Tommy hit it on it there too. The 10th, second place finish uh, without the, the victory. Um, being so close. The thing I take away from that one, though, is, again, the non-playoff eligible driver winning and we not locking one of our eight drivers in, I think, was a huge thing. And when we look at those points, with the exception of uh, – Austin Sendrick and A.J. Allmendinger having built up the points lead they have, not saying they're coasting. Obviously, they were battling for fourth and fifth and in that mix. But from there on open, again, really kind of wide open, uh, especially going to mix it up if by chance come Kansas, one of the bottom ones, Brandon Jones, uh, say, for example, picks up that victory, really going to shuffle up some that we thought were championship contenders. Yeah, and you brought it up uh, too, Jay, that uh, uh, I'm going to bring up the truck series uh, also does not have, in two races, they do not have anyone who has clinched their spot. Infinity series, they have no one who has clinched their spot into the final four. The only series that has anyone who's clinched their spot into that final four is the cup series, and that is uh, Kyle Larson. So I think he's definitely got to be considered uh, one of the favorites to uh, uh, go for that championship at Homestead, Miami. Another 1.5 mile track, not Homestead, 
at uh, Phoenix. I'm so used to it being a homestead uh, at Phoenix, which is a one-mile track, short track. Uh, so I think whoever does well at Martinsville uh, probably has a good chance of doing well at Phoenix. So uh, we'll have to kind of see how that continues to play out. We've got to wait a couple weeks here for the truck series to be back. But, um, again, I think it's been one of the more exciting seasons uh, for this uh, round of the playoffs. And uh, I can't wait uh, to see what happens in the next two races. So, Tommy, you get to wrap this one up. I still can't believe the uh, 16-car pileup or 18, how many ever it was on that crash. I mean, the the whole backstretch was basically blocked. I mean, and uh, I believe that was two DNFs in a row for Ryan Newman, so that's that's rough. But um, like you, I'm ready for Kansas and Martinsville now that things have um, changed and shaken up the way that they have. But uh, Joey and Martin Truex and – Denny, especially Denny, they're going to have to come back because I really thought Denny was going to be up there with Larson. And Larson, um, I think he's now the championship favorite if he already wasn't. Okay. Uh, Jay, you get to give us our next hot topic. All right. Let me pull up our uh, list here. We'll start start with that. Um, I'm going to put up the one uh, Mike put up here uh uh, earlier or earlier this evening, we talked about this of, of the deal possibly falling apart, but he's got a quote. The Twitter quote is from Adam Stern, but it says, Danny Hamlin on the possibility of having to run 2311's second car without a charter next year uh, is not certainly not going to be financially good for us, but the whole sport, there's Blank. a word missing there. I'm going to leave. Huh? Blank. Yeah, we'll leave a blank, and then sport is financially not good for us. Uh, what's the difference? So uh, we we talked about that, the deal with Front Row Motorsports coming uh, coming apart, not happening. I know they still got a couple other possibilities, but uh might be that these teams know the value of them has gone up, and it's not working the way they anticipated. So thoughts on that? Yeah, kind of uh... – Oh, Tommy, I'll let you go first. <laughs> Tommy, are you still with us? Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Uh, uh, I had it on mute still. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, the I still think it's only a matter of time before Kurt Busch has a charter with 23X high next year. Um, I know he's saying the market is tough and everything, and I understand that, but uh, I think they'll find a deal somewhere out there for sure. Or, I mean, I'm sure Kurt is good enough to get that car qualified in and everything next year without the charter. Either way, uh, that car is going to be out there next year. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that 45 car. I was really hoping he was going to do that number because he did wear Jordan did wear that number when he came back. So I really wanted those to be mm-hmm. his numbers. And maybe when Denny joins, he'll get Joe Gibbs to take the 11 car with him too. Uh, if Denny does leave, of course, I still think that he will eventually drive for his own team. But um, 
yeah, the charter, it, it's crazy how it's such a factor. But like I've been saying, it looks like we're going to see 40 competitive cars, if not more, trying to get in on the race weekend uh, every week. So, And Corey LaJoy said that that new car is going to be a factor, too, for smaller teams because it they're going to be competitive now. So I'm really uh, excited. And like I said, I'm, I'm sure they'll find a charter for Kurt Busch in that 20, in that 45 car. Yeah. I hope you're right, Tommy. I, I, I just kind of get the feeling though, that this charter system uh, is starting to um, show some cracks, if you will. And I do think that, uh, a lot of these teams are trying to get more value uh, for their charters than what they might actually be worth and what people are willing to pay for it. Uh, and I think that's where this is kind of hitting a stumbling block, and I think that's what's kind of being put to light here with 2311 not being able to secure a second charter. Uh, so I, I do think that these are businesses and businesses are going to try to get whatever the most that they can get for their charters. Uh, the thing you got to ask yourself though, is if, if 2311 isn't willing to pay, uh, what that charter is being offered as, who is going to pay that? (laughs) And, uh, uh, that's the question that I have. If they weren't able to secure that, uh, is it possible that uh, or the the charters uh, owners have decided that they don't want to sell the charter and they've backed away from it from that perspective, or is it that they want more money than what people are willing to pay? Um, and it sounds to me, if it's front row. Uh, I think we found out that Front Row has decided that they're going to keep their charter and maybe run two cars instead of just one. Uh, but there are other charters out there. Uh, so it just makes me wonder uh, what's going on behind the scenes here with the charter system uh, and uh, why a team like 2311 is not able to secure a charter within NASCAR uh, it's it's a different environment than what we've seen in the past, that's for sure. And it seems like it's all about business and uh, making money, So, which is what business is all about. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, a couple, a couple things here, Sharon. You kind of put, set that step stool for, there for me to climb up onto the soapbox, and I think we got <laughs> 29, 39 minutes before uh, – you have to make your announcement. So if you have to interrupt me in all this, please go ahead. Uh, now, th- there is a lot of things in play here. We don't know exactly why, what the reason the uh, supposed uh, almost done deal between Front Row Motorsports and 2311 was. You mentioned it could be they're asking too much outright for the charter itself, which we saw with uh, Colleg Racing who instead of buying a charter went and bought a full team um, Mm -hmm. outright. So obviously the cost is up there and we've heard some numbers thrown around when it comes to the RWR price for them. The other thing I think I I look at is like, say for example, you take front row motorsports, if they want are looking for more of a partnership alliance so they can keep the charter 
work with another team but lease it for the year like they're allowed to do under the rules in order to build their own organization. A team like 2311 maybe isn't looking to do that. They want to buy it outright and have it under their banner. So I think that may be where something came into play there, uh, if I had to guess. Again, we don't have any details as to why or what the actual deal would have been, but I get the feeling it had to do with that. And there, too, when you talk about Spire Motorsports or RWR, they are trying, we think anyway, uh, especially with Spire Motorsports. I know Mike is really hard on RWR about they want to, uh, their business model is to have four and start four teams and get paid for those four starting positions uh, and not necessarily looking to grow to be competitive. I'm not sure I buy that completely anyway, um, but for them to grow, if they outright just sell one of the one of the charters, they're not going to get any benefit from it other than financially, which case if they're going to try and continue to run the same number of teams next year, the amount they're going to want for the charter itself to take the risk of running the non-chartered team, they can't afford it like 2311 can with sponsorship. You know, if and I know they said that that Kurt Busch in the uh, 45 is going to run whether they have that charter or not. I, they can afford to do that with that kind of sponsor and team behind them. RWR cannot, mm-hmm. so they need to get that money up front in order to cover then the team for the entire ne- year next year if they're going to take that risk of running without the charter. Uh, if I can still stay here in round one, I'll try not to go too much longer, but I think this is going to put some pressure on NASCAR to look at adjusting. I'm not saying it has to go away, but I think some tweaks need to be made. One being the whether or not they take a charter from a team based on finishing in the bottom three positions each and every year for three consecutive years. And I know that can still be manipulated. I hope that it doesn't or NASCAR is watching it because RWR has two teams uh, that are in that 15 points apart. I'd hate to see one of them pull off the track to make sure the other one gets that so it's a different charter that is technically in the bottom three versus we know it as an organization they all are. Uh, Again, I don't like the manipulation that's going on with that. So I think this may force NASCAR's hand. And with, uh, as Tommy mentioned, next year, it being more financially uh, stable with the new car, as well as competitive, we're hearing a lot of talk and already seen more teams wanting to come in that NASCAR needs to open that window up and open it up for them to be able to. Uh, You know, if we go back to having 40, let's say 42, 43, 44 teams show up at a track weekly, if they're only racing for four spots versus an entire field of 40, I, you know, I'm one, I'm in favor of you show up this week. If you're one of the fastest 40, you make it in. The other team that didn't, even if it is fan favorite Chase Elliott, Guess what? He's not eliminated from the playoffs. He comes back to win- next week, wins the race. He's still eligible and going to run for the championship. I just think it makes more sense uh, from that perspective and draws more interest, especially when you have a driver that maybe didn't make a race or two. Can they still get into the championship and battle up front? Weekly, they're going to. So I think I think some adjustments need to be made. Okay. Uh, Tommy. Well, I was just going to add, I remember Junior saying that, you know, it wasn't in the cards for him 
to go because of the charter system and how expensive it was. And then, like Jay just brought up, Trackhouse just going out and buying um, Chip Ganassi Racing um, because it was more convenient for him. And um, Spire Motorsports had a charter and then sold one, and then I still think they have possession of a charter as we speak, which is – that could be another potential for 23XI to get their other charter. And um, Rick, there's also Rick Ware. He's got a few. What's he going to do? So there's options out there. And, um, I mean, like I said, they can probably do what Ryan Priest did this year, run every race without having a charter. But um, I still think that they'll secure one. They'll find a way to get one. And, you know, that deal with Front Row did fall through, but maybe that's still an option out there somehow for somebody. Okay. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add. I think uh, uh, both Tommy and Jay uh, made some really good points. And, uh, you know, I do think that NASCAR needs to look at the charter system and what they can do uh, to, to kind of help some of these teams. Uh, because for Trackhouse to choose to buy an entire team like Chip Ganassi Racing instead of taking a charter, uh, that just is kind of an incredible move on the part of Trackhouse Racing uh, that they found that more viable than getting a charter, I think, speaks volumes. And I think that they, they they do need to take a look at it and do something about it uh, moving forward. So Jay made some good points in that regard, as did Tommy. And I agree with Tommy that uh, I, I think that, uh, and, and Jay, I think you said it too, I think Kyle Bush is certainly capable of running without a charter uh, in 23X, in 2311 uh, and making every race. Uh, but I like your idea of all 40 cars buying for all 44 cars, whatever it is, buying for the 40 spots. And if they make it, they make it. If they don't, they don't. And it doesn't matter if you're a past champion or or anything else. You've got to be able to get into the race based on the speed of your car. So uh, I think that that would make it uh, kind of uh, very compelling to watch. So, Jay, you can wrap this up. All right, and I'll try and be quicker quicker on it on this round. Uh, first off, with that, I understand the intent uh, with the charter system, giving a team owner, when they do get out, having a viable thing to sell other than just their assets. But I think there is a way that NASCAR uh, can find it a different way to pay them extra money per race, even if they don't have a charter, if they are one that makes the race that were in the top 36 from the previous year, they get a little bit bigger cut of that share of the purse uh, weekly as well as year-end. Um, even, even, say, having a, the NASCAR license itself, uh, I think there are some other ways they can do it without locking out new teams coming in that don't even really have a shot of uh, racing their way in come qualifying or, or week in and week out. When it pertains to specifically, we were talking about the 2311 and, the, and then the deal that fell apart with Front Row Motorsports. This is, this is my personal look at it. I think, like I said, Front Row wants to run two cars of their own. 
if, say, GMS were to come in and take that charter, I think you might see them work closer together as teammates, whether it be a lease deal or not, even if it is bought from them, that they will work together as a team versus I think if they sell it to 2311, they're like, okay, it's ours now. We're, we're going to take it with Joe Gibbs Racing and not share any information. So I think that might be what mm. Front Row Motorsports was looking at, of at least getting something out of it aside from money, um, whether it be their own team or one that team that is willing to work with them in a, an alliance or partnership. I think that's where I feel like that's where they fall is they want to still be part of a two car team and not the seventh Joe Gibbs racing team down the line, if you will. Gotcha. Okay. Some really good points there. Tommy, uh, you get to uh, bring up our next topic. Let's go with Liberty um, extending with William Byron for the next uh, uh, until 2026. Okay, Jay. We've we've seen this partnership with William Byron uh, for a while. I think it's great to see a school like that and the programs they have available as it pertains to engineering and other uh, NASCAR orientated programs, not necessarily for NASCAR, but marketing programs that they work with that apply to NASCAR. And to see, I know we've had this discussion in the past of, say, military sponsorship. Is it uh, money well spent uh, when it comes to recruiting and stuff? Same with the school. I see that applying the same way. Is it bringing something to their school by advertising through a NASCAR sponsorship? Uh, and I do feel it does, and I think uh, William Byron represents him very well. Uh, so, and then I think they develop other programs when it comes to interns and different things that they can work together with NASCAR, with drivers, uh, crewmen that come back to the school and provide, whether it be teaching or uh, field trips, whatever, that there can be benefit both ways. So, I don't view it as, as money uh, not spent well. And we've seen William Byron mentioned, uh, obviously, a, a re- well representing them, uh, as he has this year, finished second this past week and no longer in the playoffs, still making some good runs. And I think he is a driver we're going to see contend for championships down the road uh, multiple times. So I think it's a good partnership and can be very beneficial both ways. Absolutely. Uh, you know, William Byron, I think, will – uh, obviously extend with uh, Hendrick Motorsports. I don't think there's much doubt about that. And I think that the fact that Liberty University signed a five-year extension with them is a good indication of that because William Byron has been associated with Liberty University from the very beginning, going back to his K&N Pro Series days. Um, they've been a longtime sponsor of William Byron. Uh, let's keep in mind, too, that William Byron is not one of those drivers that started in racing when he was uh, four years old and driving a cart or uh, a Legends car or anything like that. William Byron started in iRacing as a teenager and got into racing uh, through the iRacing platform. So he is a short... Uh, he, how do I want to say this? 
his learning curve is very short. And he was able to, to learn a lot through the iRacing platform that helped him be successful on the track. And uh, so the fact that he's had the kind of success that he's had um, as quickly as he's had it, I think speaks a lot of volumes about what his talent is uh, as a not a fifth generation or not fifth, but third generation driver or even a second generation driver. I believe William Byron is a first generation driver uh, that came in again through the iRacing platform as a teenager uh, and found success in the Canon Pro Series, uh, now the Arca Menard Series. Uh, and Arca East, if you will, and uh, went with one of the best teams in NASCAR with Hendrick Motorsports. So I don't think uh, Mr. H is going to let go of that. Uh, I think that he is definitely going to resign William Byron, and I can't think of anything that would prevent him from doing that. So, uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say where I saw on Twitter where William Byron, like the sponsorship bills for five more years, but he hasn't signed an extension with Rick Hendrick yet. I mean, I, we all anticipate that, you know, it's going to be coming future announcement, you know, however long it's going to be that he stays there. But Rick Hendrick did say he wants to keep him in the plans and around. And uh, the only thing I have to say about the sponsorship is, is besides I've never not seen him sponsored by Liberty besides, I mean, he does have other sponsors, but Liberty's one of his primary ones that I've seen throughout his whole career. So not really surprised. But I do like his ex-Alta schemes better than his Liberty schemes. So that's the one thing <laughs> I was going to say. Especially that new one this year, the Rainbow Warrior car with the twist. And I feel like he did flames his rookie year for the Exalta car, and then last year he had a really good-looking um, flame car for that. So maybe he'll get it right with the Liberty one. And uh, I believe they are called the Flames, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe he can get a really good flame scheme going for them. And uh, I hope he stays around because Chase was Jeff Gordon's replacement at 24 car, and then Rick Hendrick put William Byron in it. So... Uh, I want them to be good because I want that 24 car to be good. Okay. Jay, your follow-up. Well, I think it's one of those, uh, and you look at uh, Mr. Hendrick as far as that, there's a reason he's been a team owner with the championships and wins that he has to put together packages. I know as fans we may not uh, agree with it, understand, but like how does this sponsorship help? Uh, When we talk about Hendrick, HendrickCars.com, being the primary on Larson, and even now that he's winning and they may have more opportunities, Hendricks is staying on there. And they're saying, well, he's footing the bill. That's because they said, hey, we're getting a return for it. And we saw that kind of wane in in years past. Um, And I think of GoDaddy.com. They had been on Danica Patrick's for so long, and they said that it did do good. The problem was, was they had maxed out. Uh, that they didn't get any more from it because of that, so they were going to go in a different direction. Because it, it wasn't because it wasn't viable in producing, they had actually maxed out what they were getting from it. So that tells you NASCAR is still relevant, and the, you know, I know the price is going up as we talked about for cost. Hopefully, maybe with the new car, that 
NASCAR is working on bringing the cost down, which I think we may see. And we've seen several other returning sponsors, whether it be for one, two, five races, come back to the sport. So I think that's another good thing in everything that NASCAR is doing uh, on this program with the the next-gen car and trying to keep that in check. Yeah, you bring up a good point there with that because this next-gen car is supposed to be uh, less cost for team owners and and teams uh, so that they can be competitive uh, at all levels, whether you're a startup team or whether you're a longtime NASCAR team, uh, you should be able to be find some success with this next-gen car. So I'm excited about that, and uh, I agree with you that, uh, uh, you know, Rick Hendrick is, has been doing this a long time, and uh, he knows a talented driver when he sees one. And, uh, yeah, it took William Byron a couple of years in the Cup Series, but that tells you how difficult it is to trans, uh, make that transition from the Xfinity Series to the Cup Series. We've seen a lot of drivers uh, take a couple of years or two or three uh, to kind of make that transition from uh, Xfinity to the Cup Series. So. William Byron is definitely showing that he's got the talent to run up there uh, up at the front in the top five and in the top ten on a steady basis. And so uh, I fully expect him to be back with Hendrick Motorsports. Tommy, wrap it up for us. (laughs) It's just crazy that Liberty's been with him for this long and that they're going to continue to do so. It's impressive because you don't really see that nowadays. I mean, you do some, but not like you used to. And, uh, yeah, Rick Hendrick, yeah, I would definitely agree with y'all. Uh, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt. I mean, he even had Kyle Busch at one point. Uh, yeah, William Byron, if he thinks he's going to be good, then I'm ready for him to break out. Because, like I said, I want to see that 24 car doing good again. I want to see it in victory lane. I also want to see that three car in victory lane and 43 car. Uh, so maybe they'll all get turned around one day and we'll see a blast from the past. There you go. That would be fun. Okay, Jay, you're up next. Well, we'll slide up the list there. Joey Logano, blown engine, uh, first one in seven years, but has put him in a, in a hole uh, already here with the, the first race. Is he in a must-win situation, and how does he handle that moving forward? All right, Tommy, your thoughts about Joey Logano after Texas being in a must-win situation. Is that the case? Well, Kansas and Martinsville are uh, next, and we know that he moved Truex out of the way to win at Martinsville a few years ago. And, of course, he spun Matt Kenseth out um, at Kansas. I don't know if he went on to win that race. I can't remember, but I do know how it went at Martinsville (laughs) the next week later (laughs) but um yeah i'm sure he'll be aggressive as he always is and uh denny hamlin will as well and truex and since they're all behind now fighting kansas and martinsville is going to be uh rather exciting i would say um it's going to be rather aggressive and 
I think we're going to see maybe another rivalry. Maybe it'll shift from Chase Elliott and Harvick to somebody else versus someone else. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about Joey. Uh, Kansas and Martin Ziller tracks, he's won that before, so I'm sure he can do it again. Yeah, I think he is in a must-win situation after Texas, but you're right. Joey Logano is a competitor, as are some of the other uh, round of eight drivers. And so I do think this is going to be extremely intense, uh, these next two races, because these drivers want to to try to get that win before they get to Martinsville, I think. So Joey Logano is uh, good there. But why leave it up to Martinsville if you can get it done at Kansas? And these drivers are going to be driving hard and uh, driving aggressively at Kansas in order to go after that victory and or to at least get as many points as they possibly can to put themselves into a better position. Uh, Joy Logano, uh, what I hope doesn't happen is that I hope – um, that we don't see what Kevin Harvick started. I agree with you. I think we might see some new rivalries, Tommy. Uh, but what I hope doesn't happen, to, uh, we're not knocking competitors out of the field in order to keep ourselves in. And uh, uh, I hope it doesn't come down to that because that, to me, is going to diminish the talent of the drivers that we have in that Cup series, uh, and uh, I want to see these guys go after it based on their skill, not because they took out the competitors. Uh, so, Jay, your thoughts? Well, Sharon, hopefully at the end of the show we can still part friends because I'm a little bit on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I know Joey for sure. We've seen it in the past. Has a good track record at Kansas. Uh, the Penske program, they've been a little bit slow, uh, lacking that top speed, but we've seen the strategies that they just grind it out. He has the capability there, but I truthfully, if I said this earlier, mentioned if five drivers go to Martinsville, happen to have that win, and they all have that top capability, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex, and Joey Logano, uh, we have seen battles between all of them, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, Joey Logano, uh, Brad Keselowski, battle. And Martin, Martinsville, as that half track, you're going to get bumping and rubbing and nudging and all these other things. So that's going to happen regardless. Does it pick up? Do I, I, do I, I don't necessarily want to see a driver go out there and completely wipe another driver out in order to get that spot, but that – bumping and nudging and really fighting for it tooth and nail. Uh, we've seen it from Ryan Newman back a few years, and that was at Phoenix when it was uh, Phoenix was the final cutoff race going into the championship. Ryan Newman and Kyle Larson. And Kyle Larson said he, he understood it. Newman nudged him, pushed him up to the wall. Larson said he understood it. It, it was get that position, get that win. Uh, that's going to move him on. Joey has won. Uh, we've seen it. He, he said it in the past. He needed that win. He bumped Truex. Uh, I think you may see Truex, who is normally not that style of driver, uh, have to take that step, and we'll see if he does. And he may still choose not to. We'll have to see. But I think it would just add to the intensity and the excitement of that race. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up? 
Kansas and Martinsville is going to be wild. Um, Joey Denny and Martin or Martin Truex are all capable of winning it either track, in my opinion, and that doesn't even factor in Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, and Brackett-Lowski and Ryan Blaney. Because the only one that's safe right now is Kyle Larson, who also wouldn't be surprised if he wins at Kansas next week or this fun, this coming <laughs> up Sunday. The guy, the, I mean, he is just, you know, he's won road courses. He's won at the, he won at Bristol. He's won at the, the cookie cutters, mile and a halfers, wherever you want to call it. Yeah, um, but Joey, though, he can win at Kansas or Martinsville is a must-win, yes, but wouldn't be surprised if he's moving someone out of the way to get a, to get a win, um, rattling someone's cage. Yeah, let's face it. <laughs> the controversy is what keeps people talking and uh, brings new fans uh, to the viewership of uh, these last two races. So uh, it's not going to surprise me that they're going to get people talking that way uh, because these guys are heavy, heavy duty competitors. Kyle Larson hates to lose. Uh, He had an eighth place finish this week and it wasn't good enough for him. He was disappointed. Um, And he was one of the better finishers of the, of the playoff drivers. Uh, And, and the, all of these guys are are, are competitors, and you're right. It doesn't matter which one they are. Uh, of the eight drivers that are going to be competing at Kansas Speedway and again at Martinsville to buy for those last four spots at Phoenix, these guys are going to be putting uh, that much more effort into it, uh, and it's going to it's going to it's going to intensify uh, for everybody who's watching. And uh, I I agree with you, Jay. I think that it is going to add to the storylines. I just hate to see it come down to that. I I wish it was about the racing and the skill of the racing on the track versus who's bumping who out out of the competition. But I understand that there's going to be a lot of bumping and grinding going on at these next two races, not to mention the race at, uh, at Phoenix as well. So no hard feelings on my end, Jay. <laughs> you get to wrap it up. Well, and, and truthfully, I kind of jumped the gun talking about Martinsville. You're right. Even at Kansas, a mile and a half, you won't see the necessarily uh, same type of bumping that you do at Martinsville. But we saw it this this weekend at Texas of the side drafting, getting close enough to somebody to steal some air, and then maybe rubbing and cutting a tire. I know we saw that at Bristol. That's what started the Kevin Harvick Chase Elliott uh, battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're mm-hmm. going to see a lot more of that. And then sometimes it does unfortunately turn into uh, they lose the car. I know when Martin Truex, we talked about uh, Anthony Alfredo's accident. Um, you know, they weren't even sure if they had bumped uh, bumped or not or if it was just the air of being that close. So, you know, I think we are going to see that, and I think the intensity there may just be just as much as at Martinsville because these guys are going to want to win there or get that good finish and have the points so that they're not in that position come Martinsville. So I do think that the, both in the next two races uh, are going to be that highly intense uh 
grind it, grinding in, like you said, maybe a little closer racing than what we would see otherwise. Absolutely. Okay, Tommy, what's next for us? Uh, let's go with Kyle Larson to break the season. Okay, yeah, Kyle Larson's on the brink of breaking the laps led in a season record that goes all the way back to 2001. Uh, so, uh, and that's when they started the 36 race schedule. So, uh, what are your thoughts about that, Jay? Go back, go back to what I said earlier. Uh, who's going to take that chance? Uh, Rick Hendrick did, and, and Kyle Larson has, has proved the, the value of it. Uh, and I, th- I think of uh, some of the races where he had some problems. We could have seen him set uh, or get close to uh, other records as well as far as race wins. He's got eight this year, nine if you count the uh, all-star win. Uh, there's so many that we've seen get away from him. And just the improvement of him as a driver. Uh, talk about Rick Hendrick normally isn't one that allows a lot of the outside extracurricular uh, racing. Made that exception with, uh, with Kyle Larson. And I know I was one that I didn't think he was going to fit in at Hendrick Motorsports for that reason. But he said that allows him to focus, stay sharp. And Rick Hendrick sees that, acknowledged that, and gave him that opportunity. And it is just paid off uh, twofold, if you will. So to see him set some new records this year running with uh, Hendrick Motorsports doesn't surprise me in the least. And I don't think he's done yet. I think we're going to see him uh, build on this for the future as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Kyle Larson is an incredible driver. Rick Hennick recognized that and took the chance with him. Uh, and and uh, Kyle Larson is paying off in big dividends here. Um, eight wins on the season. Uh, the most laps led. I think he's 45 laps away uh, from break, breaking that record. There's still three more races with when you consider that there's Kansas, Martinsville, and Phoenix, uh, that he can break that record. Uh, 45 laps is not that many laps, especially for somebody like Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson is the kid who, when he was a little kid, uh, his parents asked him, why aren't you going for the pole? You've got a chance you can be the pole sitter. Why are you starting at the back of the field. And Kyle Larson's response was something to the effect of, I like passing all those cars to get to the front. (laughs) Kyle Larson loves to race, and he wants to race with the cars. But the fact that he's leading so many laps this, uh, this season just tells you, I mean, just how much he enjoys being out front as well. And if you remember, in the year that he was not racing, he was winning in the world of outlaws. Week after week after week, we were hearing about the wins that Kyle Larson was getting. So, again, it doesn't matter that extracurricular racing that he's doing. It is keeping him extra sharp, and it is uh, keeping him on keeping him on his toes uh, going after that uh, record. And I don't think he set out to go after that record. I think it's something that just naturally happened from the way that Kyle Larson likes to race. So I give him a lot of kudos. I think it's not going to be a problem for him to break that record. A 20-year record, by the way. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a problem for him. 
So, uh, again, it just speaks to the caliber of driver that Kyle Larson is. Tommy, uh, your thoughts? Uh-oh, did we lose Tommy? Oh, he, we did. Let me bring, I'm bringing Tommy back into the queue. Tommy, I didn't see that you had dropped. I apologize. <laughs> no, I'm still here. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, Jeff Gordon had the record from his 0-1 championship season, and Larson's about to break that. And I saw where before, after Gordon, the next closest was Harvick. He had uh, a season in 2014 or 2015 where he led a lot of laps to I'm not sure if he won a championship that year, though. But, yeah, Larson has absolutely dominated this year, and um, I think he's definitely the championship favorite uh, now, more so than he was um, a couple weeks ago. Or, well, I mean, I don't know. He's probably been the favorite for a while now. The guy's got eight wins this year. And Kansas is up next week where he'll most likely win at. Uh, Martinsville, I think, is the toss-up, honestly. I mean, there's a bunch of good short track drivers out there, and not that he's not a good short track driver. I just see somebody else winning in Martinsville that's not Kyle Larson, actually. And then in Phoenix, it'll probably be him. It'll be him or Chase Elliott. I feel like that's going to be duking it out uh, for that. But a uh, heck of a season, and uh, I can't believe he's going to break Jeff Gordon's record. But if he breaks Gordon's record, he's got to win the uh, championship to um, – to top it or to ice it. Okay. Jay, your follow-up. Well, the, the more I think about it, you telling that story, and I remember seeing that interview where he talked about that of voluntarily starting at the back. I think about it, the record probably has already been broken or would have been broken if it were not for the races that he did have to start from the back this year. Uh, if he just started mm-hmm. closer to the front, would have led earlier than he did. So, uh, truthfully, he probably would have already broke it had he not started as many races as he did from the back. But he'd come back and win the races starting from the back. So, uh, victories versus lap led, obviously you're going to go after those victories. Without a doubt. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add there. Uh, So, Tommy, I'll let you wrap it up there, and then I'll make my announcement. Yeah, 45 laps, if that's all he's got, he's definitely going to probably break that uh, on Sunday at Kansas. And if not at Kansas, definitely at Martinsville. Okay. Uh, Before we go to the next hot topic, it's that time of the night that I make uh, an announcement for our new listeners tuning in for the first time. You may not know that we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, but we will continue our conversation beyond that time, and you'll hear us go off air probably mid-sentence. So we want to make sure you know how you can hear the rest of the conversation Uh, because we are going to continue to record that part of the conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on the podcast. So I'll go out on Twitter and let people know that the podcast is available. And at that point, all you have to do is go to the player, either at Blog Talk Radio or at BamfaRacing.com, and just fast forward to the two-hour mark, and you can hear the rest of the conversation uh, at that point. So uh, just watch for my tweet, and then you'll know that it's ready, and uh, uh, that's how you're going to be able to hear the rest of the conversation when we go out there. 
So with that, uh, Jay, I believe it's your turn to bring up the next hot topic. Well, I kind of alluded to it, and we we danced around it on, on a couple of the other topics. I'm trying to think how it's listed up here. Uh, JGR rethinking their strategy after Texas, uh, going back to the drawing board after a disappointing run at Texas as an organization. Okay. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts there? Yeah, I think they're definitely going to be rebounding here at Kansas and um, – Martinsville. Uh, I feel like Denny Hamlin recently won a race at Kansas, which it wasn't this year. I know it was last year, I feel like. So he'll definitely be up there with Kyle Larson. Um, Kyle Bush has been good at Kansas, I feel like, in the years past. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's up there in the front. And then Martin Truex. Um, I don't know how he's done at Kansas in the past. I feel like he's pretty good there too so I'm sure he'll be up at the front and if he's not up at the front at Kansas I know he'll be up up at the front at Martinsville so either way I'm pretty sure uh, Joe Gibbs is going to rebound um, wouldn't be surprised to see I really think we all thought this was going to be Denny's year that he was finally going to make it to the championship four and maybe give Kyle Larson a run for his money but um Maybe not. Maybe he, after that Texas race, he's going to have to earn his way at Kansas or Martinsville, which he can do. But either way, those Joe Gibbs cars are going to be competitive uh, this Sunday and next next week at Martinsville, too. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you, Tommy. I don't think it's going to be a problem for Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, I know that, uh, interestingly enough, though, uh, the one driver who's not in the playoffs, uh, Christopher Bell, is the driver who had a third-place finish at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, but Denny Hamlin finished in 11th place. Kyle Busch finished in 8th. But for Kyle Busch, that's horrible. Uh, he was not happy about that 8th-place finish. And, of course, Martin Truex Jr. Uh, ran into some problems. Uh, and he ended up with a 25th place finish. Uh, so that's why there's this conversation. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens when they get to Kansas, uh, which is a 1.5-mile track. They usually do pretty good on the 1.5-mile tracks. All of those drivers do well on 1.5-mile tracks. So um, uh the thing that really ended Truex's day was the dust-up that he had with Daniel Suarez. Daniel Suarez said he was holding his lot, and Truex said that he thought that maybe he did kind of come down on him uh, inadvertently, and that's what ended his day. So they have to take a look at uh, um, what it is that is causing them to have these uh, up-and-down finishes, I think is the way you put it, for Truex. Uh, Kyle Busch is not having the kind of season that we're used to seeing Kyle Busch have. And Denny Hamlin, who's been at the top all season long, uh, for him to finish 11th at this race, uh, again, uh, it's not been what we've seen from him all season long. But let me just mention this, too. It's really hard to be at the top all season long and at some point, everybody catches up with you, and 
that's when you start not getting the results that you were getting. And I think that's part of what's happening here. Everybody's caught up. We're in the playoffs now. Everybody's putting their best foot forward. And that's what Joe Gibbs Racing has to do, too. They can't let their guard down. They've got to put their best foot forward. And and they've really got to look at these races uh, and evaluate what's going on uh, that can kind of help them get better results when it's all said and done, especially if they want to be part of that Final Four at Phoenix. Jay? I, I think you hit on it there of – Early in the season, we talked about Danny Hamlin, top two finishes, top five finishes, not getting a win, but being a front runner week in and week out. He kind of went through a a wall, and then we saw Kyle Busch come on. He was the one that was splitting up the Hendrick Hendrick cars when you had Kyle Larson uh, hot, Alex Bowman picking up victories. I think uh, somewhere in there is where Hendrick had four of the top five, Kyle being the one in the middle, Mm -hmm. Uh, Christopher Bell. We know got the victory at the uh, the road course, but we've seen him kind of peaking now, even though he was eliminated from the playoffs. You mentioned a third-place finish, uh, the top-running JGR machine. It seems like, for whatever the reason, that, yeah, Gibbs has lost a little bit as far as top speed to be able to run with the Hendrick Motorsports uh, and be your front runners. So they are going to have to look at it, but... Excuse me, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. It is one race. Mm-hmm. Yes, Kansas is another mile-and-a-half track, but it's a little bit different. So I'm not hitting the panic button yet, but they certainly did have kind of an off week, and you don't want to be having that here in the playoffs. The one thing I take away from, though, was specifically, and Tommy kind of mentioned it, Denny Hamlin. Uh, not only having not the best, uh, best of weeks as far as uh, racing, but then – Maybe got a little aggressive. I know there were several spots where I was watching. He got uh, got into some uh, pushing contests with a couple of drivers. Cost him. He had to go to the back on a, on a penalty. Then come out, got some damage, had to come back, and was being super aggressive even without the best car. Maybe not making some uh, friends, and you don't want to have enemies right now in the playoffs either. So I think I'd be a little careful. We don't want to see the implosion we've seen in the past from Denny Hamlin. Yeah, that's a good point, Jay. Tommy. Yeah, I don't think Andy's a fan of Denny Hamlin right now. He wasn't being nice to Chase Briscoe on the track or on Twitter. So, <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I can see why Denny's mad. And you know, another good year. About that time, you know, to to be bringing in the championship or trying to get there, and it looks like it could be slipping again. But um, luckily for him, he won at Kansas last year, I think, and he's good at Martinsville, so he's good to go there, I think. And Martin Truex Jr. is good at Martinsville, so he's good to go. And then Kyle Busch, I mean, he's good everywhere, so I'm sure Joe Gibbs is going to be just fine. Okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll set the next topic out here real quick. Uh, and that is uh, Denny Hamlin staying out on the track with his flat, well, I shouldn't say flat tire. He had a tire rub, and he stayed out on the track for three laps for the caution versus going in and taking care of the tire rub. So I want to get your guys' thoughts about that, and we'll keep that for the next hot topic. But, yeah, I think Joe Gibbs is going to rebound, and I do think that – 
Yeah, you brought up a good point. We've seen Denny Hamlin kind of implode before. I thought this was going to be the year that he was emotionally mature enough for that not to happen. But I think we are, Jay, seeing some evidence of Denny Hamlin kind of being his own worst enemy uh, out there on the track. And and he needs to kind of get in touch with that championship mode again uh, and that emotional maturity that it takes to be a champion in this sport. You can't go out there and retaliate and push drivers around and think that you're going to be able to go out and win a championship. So, uh, and and we've seen that happen with Danny Hamlin more than once, unfortunately. Uh, and and I thought this might be the year that uh, he he showed that emotional maturity, but maybe not. We'll have to kind of wait and see how this continues to play out. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's a lot to have that kind of uh, focus as well. Uh, talking about uh, Martin Truex Jr. These races are long in the Cup Series, and they're long for a reason because one of the things that keeps the Cup Series separate from the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series is the length of the races, and it takes a lot of focus to run for 500 miles or 500 laps, whatever it was, um, and, and maintain your focus. You have one little lapse, and it can change a lot. And uh, that's one of the things that I think that uh, a driver like Martin Truex needs to take a look at. He's got to keep his focus um, for these next couple of races. He can't let his guard down. Uh, He can't expect drivers to move over for him. They're not going to do that. And I kind of thought he was going to bring that up, but he didn't. He took the ownership of it, and so I give him kudos for that. But it takes a lot to win one of these championships. And uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, I think, is letting the guard down just ever so slightly at Texas. But I think that they can pull it back together by the time we get to Kansas. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, with that, I think I think Martin uh, did handle himself well. He said maybe he did, he was the one responsible. I know initially on the radio uh, there were some comments made um, but he said even then he said he wanted to see the replay. Even after the replay, he said there was some contact, but maybe he's the one that came down uh, versus uh, Suarez coming up. Sure. So, right. Um, Hamlin is the one I, I think I have the most concern just because we have seen it in the past. And, and Tommy hit on it, you know, last year should have had uh, at least a better shot or we thought he was with the season mm-hmm. he had this year. Although he wasn't getting the wins, he was content running top five. Uh, seemed like he had it together and was going to be the you know a contender. Then he got the victory, setting himself up for that deep run, winning that first race each round of the playoffs up until this one. So that is a little bit concerning. Kyle, we've seen he's the same. You know, no matter what, like you said, he's not happy if he's uh, finishing second. Sometimes he's not happy if he's winning because he didn't win by enough. You know, he, you never know with him. <laughs> so the teams. I think uh, each in a little bit different spot. I think they will be okay as far as it comes to racing. But Tommy mentioned it. They'll be okay because they're going to be at Martinsville, and Hamlin runs good there. Truex runs there. Kyle runs good everywhere. Okay, that's Mm -hmm. three cars. There's only one victory lane. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. 
Okay, Tommy, do you have another topic you want to discuss here? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, we've hit everything I want to talk about. Okay, Jay, how about you? Uh, let me see uh, where we – I think we covered all the ones we had on the list, did we not? The only other yeah, one – the only other uh, – Okay. The only other topic, and Sharon, you you, you mentioned it. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think right. when it was that I was listening to on Sirius XM Radio, talking about the. Okay, Tommy kind of hit it on it as well, Sharon. The length of the Cup Series races. A lot of people, uh, I know Mike being one of them. Uh, he's already mentioned. Tommy kind of mentioned Texas not being the favorite. The length of races, especially ones that get drawn out. Uh, there were on Sirius XM that topic came up again of shortening all races, and surprisingly enough, even Martinsville. And this was one of, and I don't want to give a name because I don't remember which one it was. One of the hosts on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio said that he would be okay with Martinsville being cut down to 400 uh, 400 laps versus 500, uh, just based on time frame uh, on that track. So what your, what your thoughts on that? I know we've seen it with a couple of races, but all races at the cup level being shortened. Okay. And for the sake of time here, I'm going to throw in the one that I kind of threw out there too about Denny Hamlin staying on track uh, with his cut tire and waiting for the caution. So, Tommy, your thoughts about those two topics? Um. I don't really understand why it's allowed for drivers when that stuff happens for them to, to like, stay out or cause the caution or however that happens. Like, um, it, when I was at Talladega, Kyle Larson was involved in our early crash, and, you know, so I saw his car when it went off pit road the first time. I just automatically knew. I was like, he's going to be back on pit road. Like, that car is, you know, totaled <laughs> and sure enough he had a flat tire through debris everywhere and, and you know they had to call throw a caution so and then there's there was Carson host of art Vegas that intentionally spun himself out to cause a caution so you know I don't I didn't really see what happened with any Hamlin at the Texas race I didn't watch much of it only caught I think most of the second stage but um I don't know what what was going on there or why he did that. And then for the shortening of the race, I just feel like that's certain tracks, and it just depends on the race and how everything goes. Like this year, it does feel a little bit different. Like I feel like all the super speedway races have been rained out practically. Um, Daytona, though, I went to Dega and it got rained out, and. To me, that seems to be a recurring theme that NASCAR needs to figure out is what to do with rain delays because the, it seems like all the big-ticket events, Bristol Dirt, all of those got rained out. And, uh, I mean, you know, there's nothing you can do about that unless the Talladega gets lights or, you know, if they – instead of doing a three-hour pre-race show, you know, put the cars on the track while it's still sunny – you know, do stuff like that. But 
you know, the other tracks that seem to take forever, in my opinion, are like uh, Texas is one of them, Atlanta, um, the Coca-Cola 600. I mean, though the Coca-Cola 600 and races like that, they're good races and everything, but they're kind of uneventful now. Like when I remember watching them growing up, there was always that debris or some at least some wrecks. But now they just turn laps all 200, 300 of them for four hours at Texas, and there's no wrecks. There's not really much going on. I mean, this weekend was different, but y'all know what I'm saying. But they'll maybe they'll figure it out. But the, the races do. It does seem like some of them need to be a little bit shorter, or maybe do different caution laps or something. I do think, and I've got Mike's article ready to go out for tomorrow morning. Uh, he's got a two-part series coming out about the cautions and the length of the cautions being excessive. And uh, he also gives some solutions. I mean, that's the problem. Uh, And then the solutions uh, is going to be part two, and I'm going to put that out on Thursday. So what I think is happening is that because they're not looking at efficiently uh, managing the cautions of the races, it makes those races seem extraordinarily long. I mean, even this week when I was reading uh, the caution laps, for 55 laps, for 55 laps there were cautions um, of these races. And then you you figure in the time that these cautions are, are taking, uh, and then the red flags and then all of, all of that. It's explained in Mike's article. But I think that adds to the length of these races. I think if they more efficiently manage the cautions, I think that the race length will take care of itself. So I really think the earnest has to be on NASCAR looking at the effectiveness and efficiencies of managing the cautions to address the length of the races. Uh, because some of these races get boring because you're waiting for 55 laps of cautions. So I I really think that they need to look at that. Uh, as far as Denny Hamlin being out on the track, it occurred to me when I saw that happening uh, this week is that it really made more sense for him to let the tire blow and bring the caution out and go in and take care of it during a caution versus going in on a green flag run where he's going to lose that track position. And, and that's what I think NASCAR needs to address. You can't let a car, and I know it's a slippery slope. <laughs> Before we go there, I know it's a slippery slope. But you can't let a car with a tire rub intentionally bring out a caution so that they're, they're t- addressing it during a caution versus a flag lap. Um, so I, I, I think that's how Denny Hamlin was able to get that 11th place finish is that he let the tire blow. And to me, that's putting his competitors at risk for his own gain in order to do that. And I don't think that's right. So I do think NASCAR has to look at it. Uh, I think the same thing is true. When I think about what happened last week on the Roval, they said that it's not that big of an issue, I guess, for them on the Roval, which is why 
uh, Chase Elliott ran a lap or two with the back end of his car flying off, you know, flying in the wind. That I don't think should have happened either. I think that should have been uh, a black flag for him to come in during that caution, or not during the caution, but during the green flag run. He should have been brought black flagged and brought in to take, to take care of that back end of his car. It, you shouldn't let that back end fly off and endanger somebody else's car uh, on the track. I don't care if it's a road course or what kind of a track it is. I think that should have been addressed as well. So that's just my thought on those two topics. Jay, your thoughts. All right. We got 13 minutes to try and get this all in. Uh, you mentioned, <laughs> and, I, and I figured that Chase Elliott deal was going to come up. I listened to a lot on that. Uh, unfortunately, it does appear that NASCAR is favoring Chase Elliott. Per the rule book on your short tracks and road courses, the body panel like that not being fully secured is not a safety and mandatory issue. I had that been a mile and a half track, they would have black flagged him. And that is for a safety aspect because if the car gets turned around backwards, getting airborne. A track like the Roval, although certain parts of it are on the banking, uh, you're not at the top speed like you are if they're running the full mile and a half. So that got addressed, uh, and that was specifically, I know, as Dave Moody saying, whether you agree with it or not, per the rules for short tracks and uh, road courses, that's not applicable. Now, whether or not you think it would have been called on somebody else and it wasn't because it was Chase Elliott, uh, you'd have to show me some evidence uh, of other times where they have black flagged a driver. Um, I, I just think it should have been called regardless of what the track is. <laughs> Uh, because I think well, it could have flown off into somebody's windshield or something, or it could have flattened somebody else's tire. I I understand that viewpoint. You're right. It, it appeared as though it was going to come off at some point, but you also don't know for sure it's going to. And that's the same thing with Denny Hamlin's tire rub. If you watch the broadcast, the, the announcers uh, talked about that, Steve Letarte being one of them. He initially, when he saw the smoke, goes said, yeah, he's got a bad tire rub. He's going to have to come in. It lessened, and it wasn't rubbing the, the markings off the sidewall. And I think that's what crew chiefs and spotters are, are looking at. And you mentioned it. It's the cost of coming in under green flag, giving up that track position, versus hoping it'll hold out. If it's rubbing bad enough where they think it is going to eventually blow off, they're going to bring it in because it's their own driver and car and team that's in danger first and foremost, then the possibility, like you said, uh, of affecting another driver. But I'm sure that, that they're telling the driver again, how does it feel uh, in the car? I know we had a lot of talk at Texas, both races of um, vibrations and stuff. They were being really uh, leery about that, saying, hey, we know we got all the lug nuts secure. So it was the track and the tire that Goodyear brought. Um, that was making the difference and, and had a different feeling to it that drivers thought they, they had a, a tire going flat or a vibration. So I, I can't say that that was a bad call. As it turned out, it did uh, end up bringing out the caution. I, I don't think that if he really knew it was going to go, um, that he'd have stayed out there. They'd have said, hey, we got to take, take our lump and move on to next week. Uh, but if they felt they could make it. 
Now, my, my issue comes in is even once it does appear to be going down, they know they're going to have to pit, then uh, whether or not they can handle it and spin out before it's flat, you know, the tire going down and whether they intentionally spun out before getting to pit road, that's where I think it is the real, and like you, Sharon called it, a slippery slope. Uh, you know, if you don't have definitive, I'm going to spin out, turn the wheel, how do you call it? How do you say, hey, we think that tire is going to go or that part's going to come off, uh, judgment call. And, and we all agree we want to see less judgment calls from NASCAR uh, as it is. So, And what was the other? The other topic was oh, the length, length of the races. Yep. That one, there, there are a couple I can understand, and I know Dover's one that, that had taken, the, taken that and cut theirs, Pocono. Clearly, we, we've talked about this multiple times. The Coke 600 is not going to be cut. The Daytona 500 mm-hmm. is not going to be cut. Uh, Martinsville, it was a little surprising to hear somebody throw that one out there. And the comparison made was between last week's Roval and the race here at Texas this past weekend. Time-wise, we're about the same length. But like Tommy hit on, there was more action uh, on the track as well as caution throughout that race. Length of cautions and that aside, we'll, we'll talk about that with Mike's articles of uh, that situation. But Tommy hit on it. When you talk about uh, in years past, the durability of your cars and the engines. And we mentioned Joey Logano, seven years since they've had a blown engine. That used to be part of it. The cars being more durable now, especially as we move forward with the uh, composite body, uh, which we anticipate moving to the Cup Series. But as a whole, we just don't have the parts failures that we used to, which used to create, whether it be cautions or, uh, you know, more issues for teams throughout the race and see that. Uh, Thus, and NASCAR did some with that of eliminating parts of that with the competition, uh, or uh, not the competition, crash clock that you can't come back, you got so much time to fix it, you can't be putting a little bit of tape on and coming back out there and having parts flying off. Again, they did it from a safety aspect, but that also then created more uh, on-track action if they brought out another caution or the debris, whatever. And then you talk about they tried to fix that with the stage racing. You know, that was why they did implement the stage racing to ensure high-intensity racing, you are going to have a guaranteed two caution breaks, uh, you know, if it does happen to go green flag and everybody run and nose the tail uh, for long periods. So there again, maybe they put in more stages, which would add more points, which would make it a, uh, ex- more excitement to two as far as the points. Um, but then you got to look at then of tightening up like Mike is trying to address. And, and I, I, there is some validity to that. Um, I know each track, each situation is always different, but I think there are some things that could certainly could be done to expedite your caution flags. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up? Yeah, I think it's just the cautions. I don't really have much to add besides maybe shorten the caution length and um, um, just maybe work on starting times for days at like Talladega and Daytona when you know that weather might be a factor possibly changing the start time to an earlier date when weather's better. Okay, and I think one of the reasons uh, they 
or starting them later is to bring in the West Coast. But then uh, my brother and I had this conversation, and he says, yeah, but sometimes they do it so late. By the time the weather is a factor, now you're eliminating the East Coast. So um, it's a it's a tough call. I'm glad I'm not the one who has to make those decisions. Uh, but uh, I, other than that, I don't have much more to add to what I have already said. So, Jay, we'll let you wrap it up. Well, once again, Sharon, you uh, pretty much said what I had to say. I was like, I'm glad I'm not in that position uh, of having to make that decision. Because <laughs> you're right, it is a balance. They're trying to get the West Coast in, uh, but you don't want to eliminate the East Coast. More prevalently, you're still going to take the East Coast as your NASCAR country. So maybe favor them just a little bit more than, say, the West Coast. Uh, you can't argue with the demographic. It is what it is. So, but finding that balance, start times, uh, I know they look at, and they're, you know, there again, TV partners come in. You got to find the balance between the TV partnership, fans uh, live at the track, you know. So there's a lot that goes into it. And you're right. I wouldn't want to be in that position and, and be the one handling those decisions. Yep. Okay, uh, I think we're at that time of the night where we need to do our roundtable. So, Tommy, we'll start with you. Uh, at Tommy underscore C24 on Twitter. Um, I haven't tweeted anything in a while, but I will eventually one day. And also, I will get to work on that um, fan of the article track um, and get that over to you soon. Okay, thank you, Tommy. All right, um, Jay. <laughs> you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I know I talked about throughout the season of a Michael McDowell article. I'm going to do it as a season in a whole. And this uh, whole deal with uh, Front Row Motorsports in the charter may now add another layer to that article. So that's it. Uh, see how that I can tie that in. <laughs> okay. I am Fanfaracing site on Twitter and Fanfaracing blog and radio everywhere else, including Fanfaracing.com. We do have uh, Sam Bornhorst uh, recap of the Cup Series race up on Fanfaracing, as well as the NASCAR Wire recaps. Uh, also, uh, again, I, me- I mentioned it earlier that uh, I'll have Mike's uh, two-part article up on the uh, cautions and uh, what the problems are and what the solutions are will be part two, and that will put out on Thursday. So watch Tuesday and Thursday for the two parts from Mike Orzel. Uh, and then all these other articles that Tommy and Jay are talking about, I'll watch for those as well. Um, and uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you. Uh, whether you're listening to the podcast or the live broadcast, we appreciate you taking the time to hear what we have to say. And then, of course, uh, Jay stepped in tonight for South Segallo. Appreciate that, Jay. Uh, we've got a nice, uh, deep team here. Uh, I know uh, also Tommy is filling in for both Andy and Mike, who couldn't be on the show tonight. So I appreciate that as well. Um and that we've got uh, a little more depth to our fan for racing organization here that we can do that and still have people available to uh, help us out with the hot topics every night. 
that we're on. We will be back next Thursday night, this coming Thursday night, to preview the races at Kansas. Uh, there'll be three races with the Xfinity and the Cup Series, as well as the Arkham Menard Series season finale at Kansas Speedway this weekend. So it'll be a big uh, hot topic uh, uh, conversation that night as well as uh, our preview show. So definitely looking forward to that. So uh, with that, guys, I guess we're ready to call it a night here on Zappa Racing Radio. And uh, thanks for all that you do. We appreciate all of you. Well, got to thank you, Sharon, as well, for providing that opportunity. So big shout out to you as well. Well, thank you, Jay. I appreciate that. And we'll talk to you on Thursday. Good night, everybody. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.